Hi, and welcome to this episode of Our Guest Is, presented by My East Coast Experience Media in partnership with RBC. Our Guest Is introduces us to a resilient group of people typically called immigrants, but perhaps better described as entrepreneurs, community builders, and survivors. In each episode, we'll be hearing all about their journeys to Canada's East Coast in their own words. Today, our guest is Dwayne Jones. Dwayne, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So a little bit about you before we start. So you're originally from Bermuda, and you went to an arts college in Bermuda, and that got you to Halifax in 2000, and you attended the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design, or as people like to say, NASCAD. You got a master's from Dow, very impressive education background, um, and that all kind of led you to find Art Pays Me, and that's a podcast and lifestyle brand uh, in 2011, and you were named one of the most inspiring immigrants in Atlanta, Canada in 2021. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so um, maybe start by telling us a little about your journey to Halifax. Uh, Journey to Halifax. (laughs) It's interesting. So I was going to Bermuda College. Mm -hmm. So, well, I've always been an artist. I've always been like sort of a creative person, but I I honestly wanted to work in finance because I, I was always really kind of interested in... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah <it's> like, no. <laughs> That's a 180. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, Bermuda had uh, has. It's it's very much a, a financial place. That's, that, that's the main industry there. So okay. a lot of uh, American businesses set up, uh, com- set up uh, roots there, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that's what my mom worked, did. She worked for AIG. So... Um, and I always had a paper route. I always uh, had little hustles. I used to pack groceries and collect tips. Mm-hmm. So I would save up, and I was just—I just was interested in this idea of managing money. So I had in my head I was going to be an accountant, uh, but I was doing accounting in high school and failing miserably. Oh, no. I, I sucked at math. <laughs> Me too. Don't um, worry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the only classes I consistently did well in were English and art. Mm-hmm. So uh, it got to a point where I I, very, I came very close to not graduating from high school. Oh. And they had to have that special meeting with your parents. They're like, oh, wow. he's not going to graduate if you don't do something. Yeah. Um, so I went through all this tutoring and whatnot, got my grades up high enough to graduate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I said, I decided, like, I'd go to Bermuda College and then kind of figure it out from there. But, like, my high school art teacher said that, you know, your art style um, looks kind of graphic in nature. Have you mm-hmm. considered being a graphic designer? I didn't really know what that was, yeah. but I was like, sure. I just know they use computers. I'm anti-computer, but whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't really have any other choices because yeah. it's either this or <laughs> nothing. So, and and school was like, I, I, there was no option. Like, I was going to university. That was something we talked about since I was little. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, so I went to Bermuda College, started excelling. My grades like went way up. And at Bermuda College, it wasn't like specifically an art school. So you kind of had to do a lot of the other academic classes, classes too. But I realized now I had a purpose, like was to be a professional artist in some way. So it helped me switch my thinking and how I learn and all that kind of stuff. I realized just I have to work like two or three times harder than most people to, to grasp information and it's okay, just put that time in. And um, uh, while I was there, my art history teacher, Dr. Charles Zuhl, he said, you know, um, when you're thinking about going to university, uh, you know, Nova Scotia College of Art and Design is a great school. Yeah. 
And he said, yeah, it's one of the best art schools in Canada. You should think about it. And I said, okay, cool. And one of my other teachers, um, my media arts teacher, he, he went to Savannah College of Art and Design. So he suggested them. So I applied to those two schools. And I applied to uh, Ontario College of Art and Design. Okay. Mostly because I, uh, I used to watch... Uh, what's that show uh, where they would like dance in the clubs or whatever? And Electric Circus. Electric Circus. That's <laughs> On much the one music. I, I used to watch that, and I was like, I want to go to Toronto. I want to be on to, Electric I, Circus. I want to be on Electric Circus yeah. and date myself. But yeah, that's, that's okay. That was my. That was me. I was like, I'm trying to do that. Um, <laughs> I will admit that was a dream of mine too. I moved to Toronto <laughs> when I was 19 for like a year, and a friend of mine, we both got there, and we we're like, let's be on Electric Circus. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, you weren't the only one. Yes. <laughs> And as a teenager, I did at one point go down that area, but it wasn't filming at the time. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I ended up getting into NASCAD and I hadn't really done much research about Nova Scotia or anything. So mm-hmm. I didn't know. And like kind of at the same time, my brother was playing basketball, playing high school ball and Halifax Grammar School came to Bermuda to play uh, like some exhibition games oh, or whatever. Wow. And his school was the only school that beat them. And they ended up recruiting him and another guy to come to Halifax Grammar School. So my brother and I kind of came to Halifax at the same time. It's like it was meant to be. It was weird, yeah, yeah. all these little, like, clues, these signs of, you know, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it just, it all felt right. So I I went to live in res, and Mm -hmm. my brother went and stayed with the host family and uh, came up together, and that's what led me here. Awesome. And I can understand why your teacher would have said, graphic design because even the art that you've done recently still has that graphic design element, yes. right? Pops of color and and then messages too, you know, that kind of cover all of those things that people are thinking about right now. Gender, mm-hmm. inequity, equality, you know, racism and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we think about, you know, you as a kid, little Dwayne doing art, was there something that led to that thinking in your art that is happening today for you? Was there, you know, were you drawing dogs, but you know, <laughs> like more of a, you know, a dog carrying a, a political flag or was it more simple than that? <laughs> Not at all. It was, it was definitely more simple than that. Yeah. The only thing I would say is that my art reflects my interests and, mm-hmm. and that's where it kind of was. So I was, do, I always did, I did martial arts uh, from like nine or something like that. So mm-hmm. then once I started doing that, my my art was like mostly ninjas and uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. And then I got into uh, manga, comic books. So then my my artistic style started to really follow that. Yeah. Um, and then when I got into girls. A lot of my art was girls. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen magna art for girls, so I can understand. Yeah, what maybe you were drawing at that exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> and my my parents were kind of like. Yeah, what, what is this? <laughs> Did you hide those under your bed, those ones, or no? No, I didn't even know enough that I should be embarrassed by that. Right. But, uh, yeah, that I would say comic book art in general. So it had a graphic sense just because I was doing, I even started doing, like, paintings of, like, uh, when I started doing painting mm-hmm. anyway, uh, of, like, big manga anime-looking girls and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. And what brought you to the art that you make today, the more, you know, serious tones, the the political kind of, I feel like your art is something, you know, 
if you're looking at it, it's a conversation piece where the person that you're with and you're looking at it, you're going to start maybe having a debate about sure. what am I seeing? What am I feeling when I look at this? So how did you get to that? Yeah, um, I think what led to it is, you know, when I, I, I wanted to do something actually... And I've had a lot of conversations with people about this. They're like, I want to pursue something creative, but I don't know what I, you know, want to pursue. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a time, especially even when I, I was kind of running away from, I don't want to be a black designer. I don't want to be a black artist or whatever. I just want to be respected as an artist, mm-hmm. period. I didn't want to work with organizations from client perspective anyway that, specifically dealt with black issues or nothing like that. I just wanted to be respected for what I do. At some point, something clicked with me, and I realized, oh, that's a very, like, Eurocentric viewpoint. And it's almost like self-hate, like I'm running away from my own identity. Mm. And I started to realize, like, the real magic is in my own identity. Like, stop trying to run to, you know, Swiss... German design, mm. stop trying to run to Japanese art, you know, forms or whatever. What do I have inside me that matters, that's important? And, um, yeah, I really started to connect. Uh, you know, moving to Nova Scotia gave me an opportunity to understand gender dynamics in a different mm. way and uh, what's happening in the gay community. And, and I hadn't really met anyone that was out uh, sexually at mm-hmm. that point. Um, before coming here. Uh, so, like, getting to interact with people that were of different cultures, of different experiences than I hadn't previously interacted with, I think it really opened up my mind and then said, yeah, this is where the magic is. It's like, what are these things that really bother me? And I was like, yeah. I care about gender equality. I care about um, racial justice. I care about, you know, whatever. And I just started to lean into that. Is fashion something that you care about too? Because I know Art Pays Me is is not only your podcast, but also um, you know a lifestyle brand that you know you're embroidering t-shirts and hats. And there was one piece of yours that I saw online um, about H and M. I'm not going to repeat what it was called. <laughs> uh, and it kind of you know the light bulb went off of fast fashion, right? Yes. And is that was that sort of what you were going for with you know your experience as a lifestyle uh, brand creator? And then you see what fast fashion has become. Yeah. Is that something that you're dabbling with or, or wanting to express? Yes, that's a that's a great one to call out, actually. Uh, so that was from a show called Moments in Culture. And it, I, didn't, I never sold that shirt. It was just literally just one T-shirt. And I just wear it periodically. And, um, Do you wear it to H&M? I have. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also a hypocrite because I do own some H&M's. We all do, uh, I think. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your secret's safe with all of us. <laughs> yeah, so um, it, was a, it was a combination of things. Uh, at that time, there was a lot of conversation about the fast fashion mm-hmm. bit. There was also a lot of conversation about H&M stealing designs from... Yeah people uh, that were less known and and because they do a lot of graphic tier related stuff so mm-hmm. people in my industry were kind of like you know they're stealing from us and they know that they're more powerful so they can silence oh, us yeah um so it was that and then the last straw for me was uh the coolest monkey in the jungle uh thing that they did do i know that 
What is that? Uh, so they <laughs> they put out this hoodie that said coolest monkey in the jungle and okay. in the the marketing for it they had a black kid wearing the Yes, okay, the yes, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. That's no. Yeah, that a, so yeah. you know, with the history of black people being called monkeys uh-huh. and things like that and you know, my wife's an educator, so I've seen, you know, even well-meaning people do that uh, to a black kid, mm-hmm. and it uh, being, it's 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 hurtful if you don't understand yeah. the context. Totally. Uh, so, anyway, that was the last straw. So I was like, uh, I got, I want to make a commentary on this. I don't even know how I came up with it, but I was like, yo, I can switch that H into an F. And well, again, <laughs> it went back to that, what's inside of you, right? That feeling and yeah, yeah. that's what you're feeling. Right. And, and also like too, it, I had an awakening in this certain sense of, uh, you know, when my, my art teacher said, oh, you're a graphic designer based mm-hmm. on your style. I, I have started to realize that art isn't necessarily about an aesthetic as much as it is of what you're saying. Uh, so I can use graphic design as art if I want to. And that's what I've started leaning into. So even though that's not a painting, I, and it's just, it just exists as a t-shirt. I consider it an art piece. Yeah. Uh, and then the, but the, also the funny thing is that people read it as femme. So they see F and they see a little uh-huh. E and they see an M. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That works too. Hmm. I'm, I'm fine with however people interpret it. Yeah. And, uh, and isn't that the beauty of art is you can exactly interpret it. it as however you want. You can have those debates when you're standing in front of a piece, whether it's yours or, you know, something in a gallery, like Halifax Art Gallery. And, and it is that feeling, that emotion. And I love what you do, right? Because hmm. you're you're helping us understand more than what we could ever understand. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the beauty of art. So why don't we talk a little bit about Art Pays Me and your podcast and the lifestyle brand and and how that started. Yeah. So I started my business. It's called Glitterati Communications. It's a sort of a creative agency, graphic design, consultancy. That's just me. (laughs) Uh, Somehow you wanted to do finance. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I started that probably around 2006, I think. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was working with different clients and ultimately you know, shout out to Black Business Initiative. They were the first real client to take me seriously. I worked with sort of smaller ones before that. But Mm -hmm. so, you know, me running away from working with black organizations and here they are, they, they like get through me a bone. I'm like, you know, again, I'm running away from myself and here these folks are, they're right here. They need, you know, we need each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it went from there. You know, I started doing a little bit of client work here and there um, and over the years, but I always worked full time. So it was never a huge thing. But there was a point where I got really frustrated with the client work because mm-hmm. I felt like I wanted more creative control. And I guess maybe that's the artist in me waking up. And probably uh, the frustrations for graphic artists, too, if that's your job. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, it's like you know, I have all these ideas and they're like, no, that'll never work. I'm like, no, it will. Trust me. Trust me. It's in all the, like, I was looking at all the design magazines and like, I'm trying to do the stuff that's really cool looking. You know, uh, nobody wanted to do any of that. Uh, So I said, you know what? I'm going to create my own product line or my own thing. I just don't know what it is. And that's where it ended up becoming. I started a clothing brand called Be Glitterati. But you know, along that line, it was also like just exploring. I was doing posters because there was a lot of like there was a movement where a lot of 
illustrators were doing like posters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was doing posters. I was doing that. I started interviewing people on like hip hop online magazines at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did my own one called Future Glitterati. Um, and yeah, so I was just sort of building up my chops as an interviewer. Yeah. And uh, at the same time doing this uh, Be Glitterati clothing brand. Uh, and then at some point in 2015, I rebranded as Art Pays Me because uh, I wanted to focus um, more on the messages of what uh, what seemed to resonate. So mm-hmm. my friend Bo was helping me with the rebrand and his team, and they all just said, look, um, you know, a lot of what you're talking about is creative empowerment and um, art, like the power of art and social justice. You know, and I had one T-shirt in the Beagle that already brand called Art Pays Me mm-hmm. and, uh, that said Art Pays Me on it. And they were like, you know, have you ever thought about renaming the brand as Art Pays Me? And I was like, no, but I will, you know, sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, I think that's the move. And yeah. it's been Art Pays Me ever since. Even the title seems like an art piece. I don't know yeah. if that's corny to say, but, you know, it, it seems to have emotion tied to it. Yes. For, ev- for everyone, but especially artists and to put that, you know, on your head or on your body and let people know I'm an artist. It's nothing to be embarrassed about, ashamed about, or, you know, I think there's always that idea that if you say you're an artist or that's what you want to do, I want to be a painter or an actor, you're going to have those maybe older folks that are like, no, you can't do that, or that doesn't pay well. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, it seems like you're starting a movement, you know, for it people was. to be proud. Yeah. I, it, it was a provoking mo- um phrase Mm -hmm. and leaning into being okay with knowing that it's going to make people upset on multiple sides of it because there are artists who don't like the idea of commerce coming into creativity and there are people who like I say I've just experienced it who when you're a creative person like all people are always trying to get you to do something for free and then you do it and you see their business grow and they start making money and they don't come back to you and give yeah. you any of that money. So yeah. it's like, it's on us to to hold hold these people accountable and hold ourselves accountable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm the best at it because I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep it on. I'm still trying to get to where I want to be. But it's... Um, that that's that's it, and and I still have those conversations, and I understand how capitalism and money and everything corrupts. I mean, look at the H and M thing. Yeah. But I think there is a balance in there somewhere where artists can, you know, we live in a society where money is important, where resources uh, are important, and if you can get resources through your talent, you should. Mm-hmm. So back to attending NASCAD and once you graduated you started a family yes and how has that changed your life as an artist as an entrepreneur you know as an immigrant how did that change your life uh it's it's been everything I mean there are a large reason why I ended up staying here because mm-hmm. my plan was to leave Halifax after school mm-hmm. uh, but I met my my would-be wife and set roots up so uh, that was a big part of it. Um, but then also, I'd say specifically when my kids were born, uh, time just became a whole different thing where I started to realize I had way more free time than I thought I did. And 
you know, I used to like to stay up until whatever hour in the mm-hmm. morning and, and work or whatever. Then I, I had to become a morning person. I had to be like, okay, well, kids are up now. I'm, this is when my day starts. And I, I had to learn to, to um, work when I had free pockets of time, mm-hmm. not just when I felt like working. And my product productivity actually improved when oh, really? they were born. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Usually it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, because it's like all of that stuff, like the B Glitterati, all of that yeah. happened after they were born. So, okay. well, yeah, our pays me actually started when there were two. One was two and one was a newborn, I think. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And um, I was uh, creeping you on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, and I noticed this picture of you holding green beans. Um <laughs> So, you know, besides art as a passion, is gardening a passion? Is are, are you trying to garden? <laughs> are you successful? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't call it a passion, but, like, funny enough, I when I grew up in Bermuda, I lived with my grandmother, and uh, um, she had uh, a full garden, like a, like a big, I don't know, like bigger than this room garden, mm. probably two or three times the size of it, and... We had sugar, sugar cane, pretty much every, banana trees, every kind of vegetable you yeah. can imagine. And she kind of had us out there um, weeding and, and doing the work <laughs> for her. And, uh, yeah, we even had a big grapefruit tree. I don't think that would grow here. <laughs> Probably <laughs> I not. I don't think we have the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, getting my hands dirty is not something I've never cared, been worried about. And I didn't really appreciate it then. It was just chores at mm-hmm. that point. Uh, but then in recent years, like see the idea of a home gardening and su- garden and sustainability mm-hmm. and things like that have, have sort of been a movement. And uh, we we uh, started growing some vegetables and fruits a little bit a couple of years ago mm-hmm. or maybe three years ago. Or so and it was like, whoa, this feels good. Like to, you know, we're, our yield isn't very high, but, <laughs> you know, it's still nice to just have something that you grew and then you can go and cook it. It, mm-hmm. it feels really cool. It's exciting. So, yeah, I, I, I'm getting a kick out of it. But I wouldn't call it a passion because I, I have too many, too many things that yeah. I'm interested in. Once I once I'm into something, I go. Uh, but, you know. It's almost like living art, <laughs> I guess, having a garden. It, yes. You're creating something. You're watching it grow. I don't think you should eat art, but you can eat the green <laughs> beans. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So not only are you, you know, an artist, you know, gardener, if mm-hmm. you will, uh, and, you know, you're working at Dal yes. currently, and you're a mentor to a lot of people. How do you hope to influence people that you mentor? Uh, my my goal is to try to help them not make the same mistakes that I made. Mm-hmm. I'm always, I'm not the type of person that believes in you should do exactly what I do, though. Mm-hmm. And that's what sometimes I think probably f- may frustrate people when they talk to me sometimes. Because people want a blueprint. And I don't know if following my blueprint is going to work. Because I don't follow anyone's particular blueprint. I just listen to a lot of different voices and pick the things out that work for them. and That I think will work for me. Um, but yeah, like my goal is... Like, you know, the, the challenges I've had with clients, I try to communicate with them, like how you can avoid some of those challenges. Yeah. Uh, uh, my goal is to connect. When I when I meet a, a younger artist or designer or whoever who wants to connect and they... Uh, networking is something I really did not 
to have value when I was younger. I thought mm-hmm. I could just out-talent everybody, outwork everybody. It doesn't work like that. No. Um, talent and work are important, but who you know matters. So if, if I mess with you and I respect you, then I'm going to introduce you to people that I think can help take you to another level. Mm-hmm. So I take that very seriously. And, and people I've introduced people to um, have uh, squandered that. So I don't, I don't like that. But, yeah. <laughs> but that is something that I do try to, to um, I want. I want to see them be more successful than me. Wow, that's very nice, very mature for you to say, right? You, you want to see people succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that networking is a challenge for um, people who are moving here, immigrants, that you are starting fresh, essentially? You don't have those networking connections. You're maybe a little shy or don't know where to start. Do you have any advice for, for them, you know, how to, how to get into that networking scene? Yeah, that it's definitely challenging specifically if they're, I mean, I've met a lot of very extroverted um, immigrants who Mm -hmm. have no problem putting themselves out there, but if you're more shy, then it is going to be harder in particular if uh, English isn't your first language. That's a whole other barrier that I'm, uh, I luckily didn't have to, address but um yeah being from a community and people knowing and trusting you from you know long years ago it it matters and and uh it does help folks get ahead in a lot of ways so yeah my advice is to just continue to put yourself out there continue to yeah attend things in person this is another thing i don't like to do but (laughs) (laughs) it helps it really it really does help uh join all the networks the halifax chamber uh connect with you know my east coast experience like people Mm -hmm. people like isans even like just connect with as many of these organizations as you can yeah that's really good advice so if you could go back to the year 2000 yeah what advice would you give yourself Hmm. It would be to not be so much of a loner because mm-hmm. this was I was still in school at that point and I I kept to myself. My assumption was, you know, I'm not going to be here anyway. I'm going back home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I went to the club by myself. I worked by myself. I didn't make a lot of effort to make friends. Mm-hmm. I just kind of like kept to myself. Um, I'd hang out with my brother periodically, play basketball, and that that's pretty much it. Just did my work, went to the club, did my work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the only thing I cared about was girls. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I would say there's more to life than that. Make some friends, man. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine it would be a lonely situation, right? Did, did you yeah. feel that it was because you were an immigrant, that you were from Bermuda, that, that maybe there was a culture wall between you and other people or was it just um your personality was more reserved it was definitely both mm-hmm. uh particularly at nascad uh it was a complete culture shock mm-hmm. for me like I, I tried to attend some of their parties and things there and i was like i don't really fit in yeah in this crew uh you know i i grew up 2000s mm-hmm. black kid who listened to hip-hop and i just you know I did not fit. No, no. <laughs> you know, I just, I, the way I dressed, the way I carried myself, I, I was just not, uh, not, I didn't feel comfortable. So I tended to, to go to more things like uh, that were hosted by St. Mary's students. There were a lot of mm-hmm. people from Bermuda uh, 
in Halifax. So like I would go to Caribbean parties and things like that. And I, you know, at times I feel good there, but I also didn't quite fit there because I was kind of an, a loner and outsider in Bermuda too. So, you know, I think it's a combination of, because I saw other people from away, they, they were able to, to make all kinds of relationships. My brother particularly is super popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would push myself to be out of my box a little bit more and be okay with being the different, the different mm-hmm. one. And I say, I've told people this before, I would have embraced more of the hippie culture of <laughs> NASCAD if I could go yeah, back. Yeah, <laughs> I've known a few people that attended NASCAD and let's just say I'm not friends with them either, right? You know, you do get that sort of bohemian vibe from a lot of the students that go there. You know, yeah. a lot, there's some are making lace and some are making jewelry and some are making art. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I could understand that wall that yeah. you probably were faced with. Yeah. No, I was on the design side of things and the design side, people tended to be more on the commercial sort of look outlook in mm-hmm. life. But I think my race and my my background still played a, a part in me not connecting with folks as well. And mm-hmm. some of those people I've reconnected with in recent years and I'm friends with them now. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I wish I made more of an effort to, yeah. to build relationships back then. Because, like, yeah, my, my boy Bo, who helped me with the redesign and stuff for the, the, the rebranding. Yeah. Uh, he's from NASCAR. So. Okay. There you go. Yeah. They're not all hippies. No, no, it's not all hippies. <laughs> and hippies are cool. Don't get me wrong. No, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm fine with the hippies. It's just at the time, it, it scared me. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> totally understandable. <laughs> um, uh, just as we wrap things up, too, I just want to know um, if there was anything you would change about your journey to Atlanta, Canada. I mean, you know, yeah, you wanted to put yourself out there uh, more, but was there something that you wish you knew about Nova Scotia, about Halifax, before you moved here? Wow, that's a good one. Um, Besides that it was really cold. <laughs> and I'm going to just, you know, assume Bermuda is not cold. <laughs> it's not, uh, but I, I did assume it's, it was going to be cold, mm-hmm. so there that, that was that. Ah, man, what do I wish I knew? I wish I... I wish I knew that it was okay to stand out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was actually a superpower. Uh, a magna superpower, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I I, I took it as, um, you know, even even going to the club and and the bouncers giving you a hard time just because you don't dress the way they mm. want you to dress. Right. You know, I, I'm here for you. I'm here in university. Like, what do they think they, you know, yeah. I would get whatever. And now I just, my, my approach would be different. It's just like, they don't understand. It's mm-hmm. cool. They don't have to, but you know, my superpower is that I'm different. That's mm-hmm. cool. And what advice would you give someone who's maybe listening to this podcast and thinking about moving to Halifax or moving to Atlantic Canada? Same thing, like about building relationships. Mm-hmm. It, it's, uh, I think the city, Atlanta County in general, is a lot different. I know a lot of people say that it's worse now. I hear a lot of that that going around on Twitter. But personally for me, as, as an immigrant, it, I feel like it's gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like it's more multicultural. People are more understanding. There's less of a, when I walk in a situation, people are wondering why I'm here. Right. Like, you know, I went to a Halifax Chamber event last week and everyone was super welcoming, super, you know, wanted to know what I was doing, who I am, what I'm about. So stuff like that, it's like, yeah, 
build your network, build relationships with people. I know you're going to feel like an outsider, feel different, but like people are generally welcoming and uh, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Well, thank you, Dwayne, and thank you to everyone joining us today for this episode of Our Guest Is. If you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you subscribe. You can find us on myeastcoastexperience.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube. Plus, don't forget you can follow My East Coast Experience on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks again, and hope you join us for our next episode. <laughs>